This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans, go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is January 4th, 2021. Happy New Year. As always, last year, this year, I am joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, man. You uh, you hanging in there, or what's up? Do you, do you feel New Year, New You, or what? No, New Year, same me. Um, last, year, last year was the first year I think I've ever met my New Year's resolution. So my, my New Year's resolution going into 2020, because I was basically sick from like the middle of August, and then it was like every other two weeks I was sick with something in 2019, like the last four months. So my my New Year's resolution going into last year was that I was going to be healthier. So at certain some point during the year, I lost like 20 pounds, and I gained like 10 pounds back. So that's like 12 pounds for the year. I'm okay with that. And then I didn't get sick, Luke, not even once all year long last year. You got year. right. You got right. I got right. So I, if, if anyone is, is sickly out there and you're wondering how I did it, let me tell you. <laughs> Multivitamins, um, elderberry, which has got like vitamin C and, and zinc in it. Is this um, an ad? This is an ad. Um, <laughs> I took like a vitamin B complex, um, like 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C. Like they, they tell you take as much vitamin C as you can, have diarrhea, and then take a little bit less, and, and you're good right there. So wow. I, never got, I, never, I never got the runs. Okay. Um, but man, we're off to I, a hot start. I did, Holy a, cow. I did a pretty good job. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, how about you, Luke? New year, new you or what? I don't have any fun stories like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to try to eat a little healthier, you know, at times working in sports. Um, and that's what I do for my full-time job and work in university and, and sports. You know, there's not really much time off, not really any time to kind of just you know, sit down and eat a nice meal. Usually I'm always just kind of, you know, right before the show, I was just eating real quick stuff in my face so we can get to recording. And, uh, you know, it's hard to eat a little healthier when you're just kind of like, oh, there's there's a Chick-fil-A there. I've got some points on my app. I could deal with this. And uh, then, you know, it doesn't you translate well to the You have well the Chick-fil-A scale, app? So. You have Bro, the app? Do, do you, when you, you don't have, have fast food app? apps, that's when you know you have an issue. I do it's not a, have the app. I only have... I only have Chick-fil-A, all right? So it's crazy, right. dude. You go to Chick-fil-A. This is not an ad. I wish it was. Chick-fil-A sponsor us. Um, so you go to the drive-thru. You put your order in, right? And you get to the window, or you tell them your order. You have points. There's like a point system. You can scan a QR code. You can get free stuff. During Chick-fil-A, uh, the early start of December, they did like um, Christmas daily type thing. They gave me like a medium fry one day, a free chicken sandwich the next day. You just oh, now we're talking. Code. I mean, uh, what can you? What say? more can I mean, you ask for? You build up points. I I don't know. Regardless, that is part of my problem. Um, might have to delete the app. I don't know. Uh, regardless, it's really easy to make excuses when you work in sports and when you have a newborn now and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, that that's probably my my main thing is just uh, eat a little healthier. Um, Lauren's always done a good job with with cooking when we have time, and um. Yeah, so her cooking game's pretty elite. So I'm, I'm hoping that I can get more of her meals in this year. So uh, those of you uh, watching this episode on on YouTube, 
you might be noticing I'm not wearing my my typical uh, magic attire. I'm wearing my Giants jersey right now. Um, still blue. In the back, go blue. Still blue. In the background, I have the Eagles versus the Redskins playing right now. If the Eagles beat the Redskins, uh, the Giants are in the playoffs right now. Uh, I think the Eagles are down ten to zero, so it's not looking good, Luke. This is the first time in my life that I am rooting for the uh, the Eagles to to beat anyone, and I know that. This week, um, you had you had a sad football story as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, did I have a sad football story? The Gators, uh, come on. Yes, I I did, but you know I'm gonna use the Dan Mullen. I I wasn't didn't really care, you know, treating it like a like a spring game. That's right. kind of to the effect of what he said. So there's that. Um, well, nah, your boy I mean, your I, boy I, was fired, wasn't he? Wasn't he let go? The defensive coordinator. Uh. No, so the the rumor is that they're letting go like people on the defensive staff, but um but who knows? I don't know if Grantham's actually going to get fired. He should. Um he cost us the season cuz that defense was horrific. Um yeah, so all that to say uh, after the SEC Championship game after we lost to Bama, I I knew that everybody was going to opt out. Kyle Pitts and Trey Grimes and Kadarius Tony, I mean all of our pass catchers opted out. So feel sorry for Kyle Trask that he even played and that he had to go out that way, but I mean, whatever. Kyle Trask gonna hopefully go get paid. I hope he does. Can, and, uh, can he Dan Mullen? He announced can, it. So can he even afford to not fire Grantham at this point? Like, what does that say about him if he's no. willing to bring that guy back? Like, what does that say about how badly you want to win? He, he it says a lot about how badly you don't want to be wrong. And uh, uh, yeah, they're good fair buddies. Enough. And I think he doesn't want to look that, dumb, but it, he looked Luke, very silly. Luke, if you were year. dragging this podcast, if, if this was an award-winning podcast potentially, which it's not, but if you were the reason pulling it down, you'd be gone in a heartbeat. We're good buddies. <laughs> you'd be gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Mullen needs to do the right thing by the fans, by the players that you know decide to go there, and needs to get y'all a, a legit DC. It's not good I for hope my so. boy's mental health. It's not. It's really not. Um, but yeah. I mean, whatever it is what it is. Today, Schefter reported that Dan Mullen is not uh, ruling it out to maybe go to the NFL. So, yeah, I'm sorry. He slid that in at the end Whoa. of at the end of ESPN's like 30 Dear seconds with Schefter. 2020 is off to a bang. 21, uh, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I uh, I don't know what to think. But yeah. All right. Anyways, well, I'm so glad the Magic had such a good week to uh, to cheer you up from all that, yeah, that really good news, a, right? It was a great sports week. Yeah. Really, Let, let's let's jump into the the state of the Magic uh, right now, Luke. So one and two on the week, win on the road in OKC, one eighteen to one oh seven on Tuesday, followed by two losses at home, a New Year's Eve blowout loss at home to the 76ers, one sixteen to ninety two, and it wasn't even that close. And then Saturday they lost one oh eight to ninety nine to the Thunder. They are currently third in the Eastern Conference standings behind Philadelphia and Indiana, sitting at 4-2 and two on the year. Luke, it, it's too early to look at standings, right? Uh, it wasn't when we were, you know, See, was exactly. Now, so. And I hate, like, between the two of us, right, don't get me wrong, you're usually the pessimist, I'm usually the optimist. Yeah. That's fair? Yeah, very fair. 4-0, I, I, we're going to get into this. But I saw this coming from a mile away. I hate I hate to say that you did, but I I, I just I knew I knew it was BS. And yeah, you did. Not you that did this the, team is terrible. Not uh-huh. that this team is terrible, right? But I just I saw some concerning red flags, and we're four and two again. We're third in the Eastern Conference, 
I looked all over the place at 538 in basketball reference. Nobody has like updated playoff probabilities or anything like that. I think last week you told us 538 had us pretty high, like in the 70th percentile or something they like that, that. As far too. as yeah, I, I couldn't find it. Maybe you can pull that up while we're sitting here talking. But um, we're gonna get more into you know the concerns that I have and kind of why I, I was concerned. We'll get into the the numbers more in in a moment. I'm gonna give us a really quick uh, recap of the Oklahoma City game. We're recording this Sunday night, obviously. So um, this that game was just last night. So. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard enough about the the first Oklahoma City game, and nobody wants to talk about the uh, the New Year's Eve loss to the 76ers. Uh, we're leaving 2020 in 2020. So let's talk about the OKC uh, game really uh, quickly. So I thought the Magic came out with better energy than they did on Thursday night, obviously. Uh, they defended pretty well, holding OKC to 36% shooting in the first quarter, while shooting 50% uh, themselves good for a 33 to 28 lead after the first quarter but the problem is Luke that after the first quarter the Magic shot 28 of 84 good for 33 percent for the rest of the game the Magic were trailing by two heading into the fourth quarter and then whereas down by as much as eight with 437 to go in the game cut the lead to four with three minutes to go and then down the stretch Oklahoma City hit their shots the Magic could not and they lost uh, 108 to 99 so were you able to find that 538 for us uh, uh, I was I got sidetracked by other things like the uh, box score for the OKC one, but um, no, I saw it today. It was like seventy or sixty-five or something like that. I mean, it's yeah. the chances are going down a little bit. It's it's not time to hit the panic button, but it's just like, especially and I don't know people. Some I think people sometimes take things the wrong way because you know like I'm very animated and emotional when it comes to this team. So like after two losses like that and. Like, knowing in my brain what this team needs to do to win games, and they know it too. Like, I'm not trying to sound like I'm smarter than them or anything like that. But for them to come out and just continue to perform the way that they've been performing and make the decisions that they've been making, we I just know that it's a recipe for disaster for this team. So yeah, I just yeah, get so and, frustrated when I see them play like that. Oh, yeah, and, and by the way, it's 65% from 538 now. It was like 77 80% last week. Um, obviously things are going to change. That percentage is going to go everywhere. Um, but they had a set. I think they had Orlando at like 38 and 34 to finish the season at, and now it's 36 and 36. So, but to, to be completely honest with you, Jonathan, a 36 and 36 year, you tell me that we go 36 and 36 heading into the season. Now nah, I'm not, ain't no complaints. I would have took it. I, don't know. I would take it. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, last night, you, it, <laughs> I wouldn't say I expected it. But I mean, we, they they had I asked you before Horford the game back. if it, if George the game Hill was back. a a lock win. I asked you that before the game. I was you, like, is tonight a lock? You for did, us to and win? I said it should be. That was my right. response. Uh, so it felt like it should have been. But then you got guys that have other plans, such as MCW who shoots eighteen percent from the field. Um, two of eleven. Markel shoots thirty-one percent, five of sixteen. Yeah, two of eleven for Mar- MCW. Um. Uh, Dwayne Bacon, Anthony, two of eleven for seven. Yep. It was I mean, rough. that's that's terrible. That is terrible, and that, that's just one of those nights where nothing's really going your way. But it, but it is. I mean, and Terrence Ross, who, by the way, I mean, you, you might be getting into some of those uh, those stats about, unless you already listed them, I can't remember, but about kind of the red flags you had, and and how Orlando just coming back down to earth, um, but. Terrence Ross shoots well last night. 
He starts out incredible. He cools off a little bit. Um, then he finishes the night nine for 21. Um, I mean, and, and Vucevic is Vucevic is Vucevic. I mean, what, dude, 30 and 13? Isn't, like, I don't but mean to be, like, the guy that's, like, else from him. I don't want to be the guy that's, like, Vucevic is the best player ever and da-da-da-da-da, but the amount of people that were so upset when we re-signed him and just, like, the level that he's continued to produce at last year in the regular season, the knock was, oh, let's see him do this in the playoffs. Absolutely destroyed the Bucks in that series, even though we lost. And now it's like, okay, well, let's see what he can really do. And, and now he's continuing to do that so far this season. So he, he's just been amazing. And we'll, we'll talk more about Vuce in a moment. Do you, but Do you think what, this might be a topic changer? I don't know. But last night, Evan Fournier out due to injury. If Orlando has Evan Fournier... I mean, what MCW probably plays less. We win this Definitely game. Definitely plays less. You win I think that that's game. fair to say. I think that's fair. Yeah. So, and that goes back to you know you talk about people who with the Vooch signing and all that stuff. Me and you before the season, we're talking about it. Like he's good as gone. Whatever. I I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I don't know if Evan Fournier is getting moved. I the way that he's unless been you're ready to so go far. full tank mode, or if you're ready to to tank a little bit or a lot of bit, uh, if you're ready to tank, or if you're actually able to get what he's worth, then it's different. But I mean, it's hard. That, that that's difficult unless someone wants the expiring and which could happen. But you're probably not going to get the return you want. So, so let's talk really quickly just uh Evan stats. So. First of all, last year, 18.5 points per game, okay? Uh, 46.7% from the floor on 14 shot attempts, 39.9, basically 40% from three um, on 6.6 attempts. This year, 14.8 points per game. He is shooting 51% from the floor on nine attempts. Right now, he's at 34.8% from three on 4.6 attempts. Some of that drop in the, the three-point percentage might be rhythm or whatever. But the thing with Evan, and yes, it kind of was a, a topic changer, but we'll wrap back around. The thing with Evan is it seems like, and the reason that people are starting to be like, hey, what do you, what do you think? What do you, and we're whispering this because you don't want to say it too loud because mm-hmm. people that hate Evan really hate Evan and want him <laughs> gone regardless. Yeah. But with Evan, it seems like, and we talked about this a little bit last week, I think, Seems like he is playing more within himself, more within the offense, kind of letting Markel have a larger role. So if that is the case, I think it really all depends on how this team performs from now until the trade deadline. Like if we're way out of the playoffs, they might be like, all right, let's let's move this guy on. If we are competitive in that playoff race, like if we're you know definitely going to make the nine or the ten seed, or if we're even like seven or eight somewhere in there, I could see them going. No, if we can talk to Evan if he comes back on a team friendly deal. Let's let's bring him back. He's proven that he can let the other guys, you know, have more of a shine. He can play, you know, more within himself and everything like that. I don't know. I, I don't know that I'm ready to say that, but I don't think two weeks ago if you would have said, Hey, six games in, you're gonna be saying maybe we should keep Evan, I would have said, Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not, no way. The thing that I wanted to ask you um, when we were talking about Terrence, you know, the other night against Oklahoma City, is I felt like that was really the first time that we saw Terrence like force up some shots. Like I think, especially in like the second or third quarter, he took some shots where it's like, okay, Terrence is just like trying to keep the hot hand going. Yeah, where he was taking some ill-advised jumpers and especially like mid-range jumpers. Well, again, we'll talk more about that in a bit. But 
this was the first game that I thought that, you know, Terrence knew that he had it going, Evan's out, and he's like, I'm going to have to shoulder more of this offensive load here, even more than I have been usually lately. And he, he tried to force some things. Yeah, I mean, it, and I don't blame him. I mean, you walk out with that second unit, I mean, what do you got around you? You you got MCW, you got Cole Anthony who is struggling to kind of find his rhythm. You got Chuma who doesn't shoot the ball. Well, last I mean, night you didn't look even around. have Chuma. We we didn't mention that Chuma uh, went out the other night um, right. against the the Seventy Sixers. I think sometime in the the fourth quarter he went out when the game was pretty much already out of hand. He uh he you know drives into the the paint and tries to make like a little spin move and tweaks his left knee. He's got a bone bruise. There hasn't been any ligament damage there, uh, but he's he's expected to miss at least a few weeks. If you ask Woj, if you ask Josh Robbins and people closer to the Magic, there's no timetable or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah Chuma's so out for, for now. All that to say, and to rehash, T. Ross walks out on the court, bench unit. Who, who do you have besides him that's going to go out and get you a bucket? Like, uh, Cole Anthony sometimes. But he's growing. I mean, that's not on him. He's he's learning. He's a rookie. He's very raw in that respect. But he's very confident, so he's going to shoot. So Terrence Ross, I mean, we know he's going to shoot. And he's going to shoot with no regard for anything else going on. Like, he's just going to shoot. But guess what? The people who, you know, let's say Terrence Ross cools off a little bit. If if you're complaining when T. Ross cools off a little bit, shooting the exact same shots that he shot when he was hot and you were celebrating that, don't worry about it. Like, don't talk about it. Like, you, you shouldn't talk about it because T. Ross, like, he's going to shoot. He's going to take whatever shots that he wants. He's a shooter. If he gets hot, I mean, it's over. You love when Terrence Ross gets hot. He's one of the most fun players on our team, if not the most fun on our team. So, I mean, I I have no problem with him kind of forcing shots the other night because guess what? Those same shots go in sometimes, and you're, you know, we're all ecstatic about it. So, um, T. Ross is kind of doing dealing with the hand that he's been dealt. He knows he's the guy. Could he start on our team? Yeah, he could start. They could find a way to go smaller, and, like, T. Ross could start easy. But they know that, like, if you don't have him on the bench coming off the bench, well, you got Aaron Gordon coming off the bench maybe, and we that's not going to be good. So no, I, I think the I move know. would be, if you're going to start Terrence, the move would be to move either him or Evan to the three, and then Dwayne Bacon would be coming off of the bench. But then it's – then what do you have coming off the bench? Then, you know, you're really putting a lot more pressure on Cole. And then, you know, you're asking Tony oh, yeah. Bacon I mean, to do a lot. You're asking Gary Clark to do a lot. So I, I feel wanna... the I feel the best about asking Terrence Ross to do a lot. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, Terrence is definitely one of the most fun players, you know, on on the team right now, coming off of the bench. He's going to have nights like that, especially, like I said, with Evan out, where he's going to need to force things a little bit. I wanted to ask you about Cole. So, we, you know, we mentioned that Cole shot one of seven from the floor, has had some rough shooting games to start the season. Uh, one, what do you think exactly is, is going on? Why the, the you know, inefficiency? And two, are you worried about Cole? He's, I mean, he's young. He's what? He's 20 years old. Um, he's 20. He's trying to find his rhythm. Um now, what I'll say about Cole is uh, there's some inklings there that that Cole's might be a chucker for his career. He's going to drive in. He's going to get swatted a few times. He's not a huge guy. 
Um, that being said, he's he's great at, at finishing through contact. But sometimes he goes in, kind of head down, gets swatted into the stands, and you know that that'll happen with him. He's a rookie. He's trying to find his rhythm line flow, like we've said. But I I wouldn't be too surprised if if he ends up being a guy that never really shoots above 43, 44%. Um, I don't know if that's overreacting, but just from seeing that, I mean, usually he's a, he's a rookie and he's very confident, so he's going to shoot, but he's still going to be confident his whole career. It's just a matter of can he start making those shots and finding his rhythm and flow in the offense. If he does, it'll improve a little bit, uh, but, I mean, it should improve. He's shooting 31% from the field right now on nine attempts. So the other night you actually texted me that you're like, I'm not sure if this guy ever shoots over, you know, 43, 44% or whatever. Right. And at first I was like, mm. I was like, I, I really don't know. I feel like that's, you know, kind of early, but then I started doing some digging. So, you know, who shoots roughly about 43% from the floor for their career? Damian Lillard. Uh, I'm not saying Cole is going to be Devin Damian Booker, Lillard, but, but it's, it's, if you're a bit of a chucker, it definitely can still benefit a team. Like nobody's saying that Damian Lillard is not one of the best point guards in the league. You know what I'm saying? So that's not necessarily right. a, a huge negative. Now, Damian Lillard also shoots pretty close to 40% from three every yeah. year as well. So right. it's, a, it's a pretty big deal, right? So the reason we're talking about Cole right now to start the season, you know, through six games, not, almost 20 minutes a game, uh, 8.7 points, five rebounds a game, 3.3 assists, uh, averaging 30% from the floor and 20% from three so far. So the, the threes, I feel like sometimes he, he just feels like he's got to get a shot up. Like you said, he might be a little bit of a chucker. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still seems like he just needs the game to slow down. And that happens for every rookie, probably around you know game 25 or, or 30, somewhere in there, if I, yeah. if I just had to guess. I think 20 games from now, Cole is going to be a, a much different player than he is right now. I'm not worried about it. I mean, I'm worried about the entire team's offense as a whole. So I'm not just going to jump on Cole Anthony and be like, oh, this is you know what he's doing wrong with the ball in his hands. Is he making some mistakes? Yes. If, is he forcing some things? Yes. Does he look like a rookie? Yes, he is a rookie. Yeah, so, and and what I said, I some people might have caught it, but I thought you were gonna say they it you know the shot per field goal percentage reminds you of Devin Booker. Devin Booker uh, now has gotten a lot better. Devin Booker shoots like forty eight, forty nine percent now, um, but early on like his first three years couldn't get over that like 43.5 mark um Devin Booker also I also chucker. don't I also don't think Cole Anthony is Devin Booker though oh no don't get like, me I wrong. think Cole the can only be very thing, good but no, like yeah no the, the the parallel there is just like with Lillard it is chucker will shoot at will if he has to um if he wants to get just get points um he's gonna chuck and it might not be the most efficient Granted, Devin Booker probably is always going to average more three-point attempts a game than Cole Anthony ever does because um, Cole Anthony is good about getting to the basket. Um, but, yeah, I'm uh, Cole Anthony might get there, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does settle in on that 42 43% uh, by the time you know his career is all over. I hope he has a long one, and I, I hope it's with Orlando. I hope he kind of finds a stride with Orlando. I would hate to see another player go on and find the rhythm somewhere else. So Much sure we'd be talking like that. Much too early to be talking like that. <laughs> so, okay, so we've been kind of hinting at the issues with um, the Orlando offense and some of the red flags, you know, that that I saw this past week, just really trying to dig into the numbers and, and see if what the eye test was telling me could be validated by stats. So, right. Luke, let me, let me go through this with you. None of this is really going to be surprising, I think. And I tweeted a lot of this out, but these are the most 
updated stats on this. So per uh, PBB, PBPstats.com, they've created their own metric uh, when it comes to shot quality. Okay, and you can go to their website. It's like 15 pages long. It's it's ridiculous. It is it is somewhat flawed, but I I think if you read that, there there's a lot of stuff in there that makes sense. Um, so the Magic ranked 30th in shot quality right now for the entire league. What shot quality? They take the worst shots in the league, and when you look at the numbers, I think that is reflected. So everyone knows the the most of the best shots that you can take in basketball are going to be an open lay an open layup. Um, a wide open three. Those are like the most efficient shots that you can take. So right now, the Magic rank last in the league in field goal attempts in the restricted area. They and these are attempts, not percentage. So they're last in the league field goal attempts in the restricted area. They are first in field goal attempts that are in the paint, but not the restricted area. They are first in the league in field goal attempts in the mid range. They are 27th in the league in three-point field goal attempts. They are 15th in offensive rating so far. They are 13th in defensive rating so far. What that tells me is that they are taking terrible shots. Those first you know, three, four games, they were knocking down those shots at a ridiculous clip. That has that buoyed the offense, right? They were you know, one of the, the top scoring teams in the entire league through those first four games. The last two games we know have been atrocious, and now they're starting to come back down a little bit. And then just off of Steve Clifford's you know, um, attention to defense and schemes alone, also playing terrible offensive teams so far, like, uh, like Washington, like Oklahoma City, that has also buoyed their defensive rating a little bit. So I don't think this team is as good as those ratings show us right now. So all that, those numbers I've thrown at you so far, thoughts? I mean, you brought that to our attention. I think you tweeted it out uh, when we when Orlando was four and zero, maybe three and zero. Can't remember. Regardless, I think four and zero. You sent that to me, and I said, "Oh boy." See, I wasn't. I yes, I was shocked that, that Orlando was four and zero, but Orlando had not played great teams besides Miami. Um, and that was it. And Miami kind of has gotten off to a little bit of a shaky start. So I don't know that the 4-0 thing said a lot about Orlando. What does say a lot about Orlando is are those stats and percentages that you talked about. Um, now, while I'll say, like I said, I was surprised that Orlando started out 4-0 because they were finally beating the teams they should beat. And if a, a good team, a playoff team, does that, they beat the teams that they should beat and put up a fight against the teams that they might not be able to beat. 76ers were a great example of that. Uh, Orlando was not competitive. Um, had about the same shot selections. I mean, it's not it's not surprising once you look at those stats at all. Some Magic fans who were foreign, you know, saw Orlando's 4-0, the casual fan might just say, Magic are good this year. I don't know that that's the case. They're a, the Magic are a decent NBA team with a lot to figure out. So I hope that Orlando kind of gets their stuff together. I hope defensively gets their stuff together. But I, I just don't know with the talent level of this team or kind of lack of with rookies trying to find themselves. Evan Fournier trying to basically has a contract year. 
Vucevic is just trying to backpack the team. T. Ross is backpacking the bench unit. Like I said, before the year, if you told me that the Magic go 500, I'm ecstatic. And that's really all you need to know. Like, 4-0 is a great start, but tamper your expectations a little bit um, or a lot. I mean, it's, you're not going to end the season top three, four in the East. I don't, I don't think. I hope I'm wrong. So, please, guys, don't take this as me, like, kind of just, like, trying to put a damper on everything. But this, this past week kind of brought to our attention what we knew was coming. Well, I don't think you're. I don't think you're necessarily like putting a, a damper on everything. We're still saying this team is a decent team, right? Like, I'm not right. trying to say the the Magic are are bad or atrocious or anything like that. What I'm trying to point out here is the offensive numbers that we saw in the first few games. You know, we're talking about 113 against the Heat, 130 against Washington, 120 against Washington, and then 118 against Oklahoma City. Right. The two games since then, since the the scoring is kind of you know, the shooting is kind of cooled down. We're looking at 92 points and then 99 points. Now, last year, Washington, I believe, was like all time, like a historically bad defensive team. So the fact that we put up those crazy numbers against Washington really shouldn't go as a surprise to anybody. Okay. But what I'm trying to point out is if the Magic continue to run their offense this way, it's not sustainable to keep shooting like that each night. It's not going to be a recipe for success. If the Magic keep taking the type of shots that they are taking if they keep running the offense the way that they've been running it if you're gonna if you tell me that the magic do that for the rest of the season and they don't end up a playoff team I wouldn't be surprised at all because we're seeing them take you know low efficiency shots you know the the mid-range shots the the shots in the paint that aren't in the restricted area okay um, they're not defending at a at a super high level either okay and then when they do have some kind of offensive rhythm, they want to disrupt it by playing what I call the the my turn offense, where you know it's been a few series. I haven't touched the ball. I haven't got a shot up in a while. Well, now it's my turn to go and get a shot attempt, and we've just seen that too many times, especially you know during the the runs where you know these teams will extend the lead on us or we'll have a little bit of a lead and then you know they want to come back, um, and it's just not good for the offense. So I definitely think that. And we can actually, this will kind of help us segue in, into our next segment here where we talk about Clifford and his reluctance to quote-unquote coach decisions. If Clifford doesn't go to the team and be like, hey, these are the shots that we're getting. They're not sustainable for a good offense. This is this is not what we were seeing last year when the, the, the pace picked up and, and we were scoring you know high numbers. We were seeing... Great ball movement. We are seeing, you know, Markel Fultz running the offense, doing a great job of it. And we're seeing guys knock down threes. Now, guys really aren't knocking down threes very uh, effectively right now outside of a few guys. And it's just not it's not a product that uh, that is uh, is going to win you a lot of games with that offense. So but let, let's talk about this, Luke. So when I when I everyone might be wondering what I mean when I say Clifford and and I, I put it in quotations him coaching decisions a couple of years ago his first year with the Magic it was after a loss or something like that and and one of the uh, reporters in the post game pre- presser asked him you know what do you do about you know you know shot selections or, or, or I forget exactly how the question was phrased but his response was I am not a fan of coaching decisions meaning and what I took from it was you know making coaching the decisions that players make on the floor. Am I going to make this pass? Am I going to take this shot? What am I going to do? And we just, we've seen it now 
happen so many times. Last year it was DJ. At times he would you know make these behind the back passes that resulted in, in turnovers or a guy would be wide open he would throw this behind the back pass it'd be a poor pass they wouldn't be able to you know collect the ball and, and and get a good shot up or anything like that and now we're seeing it so far this season in a few games what we've seen from Michael Carter Williams uh last night especially shot two of 11 from the floor I think he was 0 for 4 from the three-point line if I'm not mistaken and we're seeing him continue to take open threes or open mid-range jumpers a lot of people Luke are going to argue that that guy needs to be confident and he needs to take those shots. I think that we've seen enough evidence <laughs> that Michael Carter-Williams should not be shooting jump shots. Shooters shoot, Jonathan. That's the phrase, right? That is correct. <laughs> MCW, my boy, you're, you're not a shooter at all. And it's so, oh, it's clear to everybody but Cliff, apparently. And, and I guess MCW. I don't know. Maybe if I'm in the NBA and I'm not a shooter, but I'm a guard, if you leave me wide open, I feel disrespected. I'm going to shoot a three, but there's a reason you're left open. MCW is left like more open than Ben Simmons gets left open from three, and he still lets it fly. Who who hit a three on us the other night, by the way? Which, by the way, set the tone. I knew exactly how the night was going to go when Ben Simmons hit a three. Then Dwight Howard capped it off, really bookended it for us at the end with a three of his own. I Whatever. Um, yeah, no, MCW needs to slow down a little bit. Um, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that looks like Cliff telling him, don't shoot that or what. But And it's it's not just Michael Carter-Williams. I'm not trying to pile on Michael Carter-Williams. That's just the, the most recent example that we have of Cliff He's- being reluctant He's the most to prevalent decisions. example this year. Right. I mean, the other night against Philadelphia, we're, we're coming down. You know, I, I don't know if we were bringing the ball up. Or, I think it was transition because I think, Aaron, it was probably like one or, or two on Philadelphia's four. And I said Philadelphia, not Dalphia. Thank you. I know you like to pick on me Thank about you. that. Thank you, Philadelphia. I don't know where yeah. that came from, but me either. Philadelphia. Yeah. And so he's on the break, and he just pulls up a three with like 19 seconds on, on the shot clock. I don't have to tell you the result of that shot. It it didn't go in. But <laughs> stuff like that, if you are if you're keeping your team accountable, the way that Clifford likes to preach about accountability on a team, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the number one person in the organization that is in charge of player accountability while they're on the floor is the head coach. Yeah. And if you are not coaching the team and and making in-game decisions to you know, make an example that you're going to keep guys accountable and they can't just do whatever they want to do on the floor. Because yeah. if the guys are going to do whatever they want to do on the floor, then what what is the coach there for? Right. He's non-existent. If, if they're not taking what he's saying and what he's teaching them and what he's coaching them to do, mm-hmm. if they're just going to do whatever they want anyways, that's what's called tuning a coach out. And when a coach is tuned out, it's not too long after that that we see a guy get fired. Now, I'm not saying they're they're tuning Coach Clifford out. I'm, I'm not trying to say that. I'm not even saying they should fire Clifford or anything like that. I think that would be a gigantic mistake. He's taken this team from n- nowhere to somewhat relevancy, making the playoffs and everything like that. Yeah. However, he is not a perfect coach. And just like players are open to criticism, I think Clifford is, is also open to, to criticism as well, as long as it's fair. My issue, especially with the phrase that he used in, in coaching decisions, is that is essentially what a coach does. When we talk about Clifford, Coach Clifford, Steve Clifford, and we think about staples of a Steve Clifford team, 
it's defending at a high level. It is not turning the ball over. Classically, it is um, kind of ignoring the offensive rebound so that your team can get back on defense and your defense can be set. All of those things, you have to coach your players to make certain decisions while they're on the floor. They don't force passes, right? They don't crash the offensive glass. They compete and they give effort on the defensive end and they pay attention to the schemes that you've put in place. You are coaching decisions at that point. I don't think that shot selection should fall out of that realm. When we see guys repeatedly take bad shots, the thing with Aaron Gordon, right? If he had a a Greg Popovich or a Pat Riley or a Phil Jackson, someone like that, or a Steve Kerr, they would have taken him aside a long time ago and been like, listen, buddy, you are not Paul George. I know what Frank Vogel told you, (laughs) but you are not Paul George. You need to be a more athletic, more dynamic Draymond Green. People Mm -hmm. have been saying that for five years now about Aaron Gordon. And the fact that every coach he's ever had has let him go out and try to be Paul George is to his detriment. Yeah. He would be a much better player if a coach or or another veteran, we don't really have that kind of guy on the team, on the roster, to tell him that. But had he had someone like that, and whether or not Aaron's going to listen to that, I have no idea. Right? I think it's over. <laughs> he is who he right. is. Right, exactly, and and it's fair. He's a, he's a good player. He's he's not great, but he's would, a good player. Would you want to go from Paul George to Draymond Green as a player? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely no. not. Yeah. But if it's Phil Jackson, I'm going to listen to him. Yeah. I don't care if he's telling me to to go from Michael Jordan to Col- Carlos Arroyo. All yeah. due respect, if it's Phil Jackson, I'm going to listen. That's that's just it is what it is. So yep. that's my mini rant on on Coach Clifford and and you know his his coaching decisions the way that he liked to phrase it at least once he he might have completely forgot that he ever said that he Probably. Clifford might be out there and be like what the heck is this kid talking about I never said that I know you said it if you're listening <laughs> I know you're not Cliff but if you are so that's it Luke I don't know if you have anything to add to that no I mean that it is what it is I mean. Unfortunately, last year it was DJ Augustine, and guess what? The way the DJ Augustine thing got solved, he got, he, he's got, he's bye, he's bye bye, that's it. Well, no more DJ Augustine. And guess what? I love this Markel Fultz, even with his struggles as of late, more than I do last year's Markel Fultz. So, I've seen flashes this year without DJ Augustine. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm obviously I'm with you on that one. Um, hopefully. Something changes. I don't know if that is them getting dealt, but maybe that's when that changes. Last thing about about Michael Carter Williams, and I hate to accuse a coach of like nepotism or favoritism, but there just seems to be a common thread, a oh, common he's, theme he's the with Michael pet. Carter Williams. Like, I don't know if he brings Cliff lunch or dude, what it is, but I don't know what it is. I don't know if he <sighs> buys him lunch, bakes him cookies. <laughs> I mean, he competes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take away from the edge the competitiveness that Michael Carter Williams brings. He really does. It's just offensively, sometimes I wish he just wouldn't touch the ball. Like that's that's the best way that I can put it. But there's just something there. Like Cliff just loves Michael Carter Williams so much that he's gonna let him get on the floor and at times it seems like he's gonna let him do whatever he wants. Because I gotta tell you, if it was me, and I'm I'm trying not to get too mean here, but if I'm coaching like my kids' Pee Wee team and there's a kid out there shooting threes who has no business, I'm gonna be like, hey Stop shooting threes, or you're you're riding the 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 pine pony, homie. All all you that to say, saying? do you think it's 
chocolate chip or oatmeal oh raisin. my goodness <laughs> let's move on so we talked a little bit about markel struggling okay you mentioned it a moment ago so i, I wanted to look into that a little bit yeah. because i i think the 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 eye test and the numbers match up now anyone listening out there we know this is a small sample size but what else do we got to talk about this week mm. let's talk about it so is markel struggling so we've got six games so far four wins two losses the first three games, through the first three games, Markel was averaging 20.6 points per game, 4.3 assists, shooting 48% from the floor. The last three games, Luke, he is averaging 10.7 points per game, 7.3 assists, shooting 30% from the floor. We've seen him miss layups that he is usually automatic at. We have seen him miss a lot of mid-range jumpers. And I, I want to be like, is he really missing more mid-range jumpers than last year? So last year, Markel shot 41% on mid-range jumpers. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought he was automatic. 40%, that's still pretty decent. Uh, so far this year, he's just shooting 21% from the mid-range. So, Luke, do you feel like Markel is struggling? And if you do, why? I mean, he's definitely struggling. There's not really any ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, the numbers are pretty clear, I think. Yeah, but then it's like, okay, so what's his normal? Because he starts out the year, what, 49% from the field? And I, I don't know if that's really going to happen for this year, at least. Um, I'd say that the truth is in the middle somewhere. I think he can get to 45% from the field this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely struggling right now. There's there's really no question. You just read the stats. He's literally the definition of struggling. Um, but the good news is we're six games into the year. So, you know, the people who might have said that people that doubt Markel love to do that might have said, oh, well, it's only been a few games. You know, they, it's only been a few games. He's who cares if that's what he sh- if he's doing so well. Um, well, then I can say the same thing to you now where it's just a few games. Markel's it's only a few games. So that being said, I think Markel can write the ship. Um, I think that he'll be, you know, back to himself pretty soon here. And I think he's going to be better than he was last year. He's got a, an increased role in the offense. He's got kind of the keys here. Um, I'm not hitting the panic button about Markel, though he definitely is struggling right now. Well, I mean, if we're being totally fair here, I, I have been posting like most improved Markel Fultz Photoshop trophies. So we kind of were, you know, giving him that pretty early on. But with Markel, I think I just think he's in a slump. I mean, players go through yeah. that. He had an incredible first three games. I mean, the last, I think it is a little bit telling the, the jump in his assist numbers. So from 4.3, the, the first three games to 7.3, seems like part of that might be his shooting struggling. So he's thinking, all right, let me try to get other guys more involved. But I, it doesn't look like it's his energy. I don't think it's conditioning, right? He's still getting those good looks at the rim. He's just not been converting those as, as high of a clip. So uh, I think uh, another few games, it might even be tomorrow night, he might shake off whatever is going on and and get right back to where he was before. We were talking about, and and we'll wrap this up, this conversation about Markel, but we were talking about last week, I think, you know, Markel needs to, you asked me something about Markel and his campaign for MIP, that type of thing. Um, And I said, I'd like some more assists. It was a simple request. Just, Just give me some more assists. And uh, that very next game, he gave us more assists, Jonathan, but he shot four for 16 from the field. 
um, gave us 10 assists, actually. Had a double-double. So, it, and, it, and if that is what a, more, a bad Markel Fultz game is, I'll take it. If you can give me 11 and 10 on a bad night, I'll take it. So, you know, maybe that is a good thing that kind of his shooting going down a little bit, he's working more on facilitating. I think Markel um, is going to be a great facilitator. His his vision didn't really add up to where his assists per game were, you know, last year or early this, you know, first three games of the season. It's still early, guys. So I think Markel is going to be just fine. He's going to kind of find a balance. He's trying to find himself in this offense, too. It's his first year without DJ Augustine being there for him to be put in the corner and, you know, have to worry about, you know, DJ Augustine. So uh, I I think that he's going to be fine. He's going to figure it out, and uh, he's a great player. He's talented. So I, I, I really have no worries about Markel. All right, let's take a quick break. All right, so let's talk about two guys, Luke, who are definitely not struggling. So first off, I want to talk about how good is Vooch? Like, how good has Vooch been this year? And I, I want to give you a couple of numbers before we get into this conversation because it, it's really just ridiculous. So I looked up, uh, like, the best shooting centers in the league. So um, this is for centers who are shooting at least three threes a game, so at least three three-point field goal attempts per game. Vooch is second in the league in those players uh, in three-point percentage at 48.5%. He's behind only Julius Randle, who is shooting 50% on threes, but Julius Randle is shooting almost two less attempts a game from the three-point line. Vooch right now is averaging 21.5 points per game, 11.5 rebounds, 52% from the floor, and again, 48.5% from three. So a lot of people were asking, like, was this bubble Vooch? you know, who was shooting 45% or whatever it was from three in the bubble. He could just be on a hot streak right now, Luke, but is this for real, and how good is Vooch? Um, so he's shooting 48.5%. Um, I mean, need I remind you guys that Aaron Gordon started a few years back shooting about 47 48% from three. Okay, and- I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> this is not the same conversation. I know what you're saying. But good grief! What a comparison it is. Uh, I, I mean, you really, uh, you really dug deep for that one. I got to tell you, <laughs> don't hurt yourself reaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, but uh, it's the same concept. It's it's gonna he's gonna come back down to earth. I mean, this is a guy last year who shot um what thirty four percent from three on four point seven attempts. So he's gonna come back down to earth. The good news is he's found his rhythm from beyond the arc in this offense early which is a very good thing uh he'll pro- i mean i i would assume he probably what peters out around 42 percent 40 percent 40 percent probably is where i'll which, say he'll end i was just about which, to ask you where is coming back down to earth because he's you, you're talking about from 34 to 48 i think i think those reps he was taking in his neighbor's driveway during quarantine really made a big difference yeah i'd say that vooch gets to 40 40 which is ridiculous which is ridiculous i hope it's 40 now, don't get me wrong. It it could be thirty seven, thirty eight. Which, by the way, fine with me. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you can get him playing that way, with Fournier kind of playing his role, staying in his lane in the offense, shooting his you know percent from three that he shot last year. I mean that that's that's a good that's a good duo. I know you guys are gonna hate that comment, but that's a good duo. I think. 
I think we're looking at another all-star year out of Vooch. I, I really do. If the Magic are able to stay competitive in the playoff race and, and, and come time for you know, like the, the reserve voting and everything, he's not going to be a, a starter. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's coaches that vote on these reserves. And if Vooch is putting up, you know, 21 points, almost 12 rebounds a game, shooting close to 40% from three, and the Magic have a respectable record, they're going to the look part. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if the Magic are, you know, the 12 seed or something like that, it's not going to matter. But I think coaches will look and they'll be like, okay, this was a guy who, when he was putting up, you know, I think it was like 20 and 10, shooting, you know, like close to 40% from three two years ago, was an all-star. So when you look around the East, you know, at, at other big men, I mean, you got Joel Embiid, you got Damanis Sabonis, you got Bam Adebayo. Like, it's definitely going to be competitive, but maybe he doesn't make the all-star team because some of those guys have taken such a big step forward, but he's definitely going to put up numbers similar to what made him an all-star two years ago. And after we re-signed Vooch, people were like, what are we doing? He was just in a contract year, blah, 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 blah. He's going to regress this, that, and the third. You heard that at the beginning of last season when he wasn't playing up to the same level. Yeah. That, oh, my goodness, see, he's regressing. We signed this guy. What a waste of money. And now he's right back up to that all-star level so far to start the season. Again, small sample size. The three-point shooting I don't think is sustainable. I mean, 48% good grief. But like you said, even if he's somewhere like in the high 30s, which, I mean, he would, his shooting would just have to drop off a cliff at, that, at this point to drop below that, like back down to the mid-30s or something close to that. But, man, just what a season Vooch is having so far. If it wasn't for Vooch... Terrence and Evan, we're looking at an 0-16 really, really easily. I yes. hope people realize that. He said he said Evan. You guys heard that right, and he's absolutely correct. I mean, Well, I mean, Evan was the, the big score in the first game against Miami, 25 points. Since then, it's been Ross. Like, yeah. I, I texted you last night, you and, and best friend Drew, if you're listening. Right. I texted you guys last night, and I said, without spectacular shooting guard play, this game is – this team is 0-6, and, and that's – not not even a hot take. That's just a fact. Yeah. Not for Evan killing it the yeah. first game and, and Terrence killing it the next three games. This team's 0-6 right now. So let's talk about Terrence, Luke. Uh, we're, obviously, Terrence is off to an incredibly hot start. I don't even have his, his season numbers in front of me. Good grief. Let me pull these up here. I pulled up a bunch they're of, good. Uh, a bunch of analytics here. Yeah, they're very good. So right now, 24 – or excuse me. Um, 28 minutes a game, 22 points, 49% from the floor, 43.8 from the three-point line. Like, the human torch is lit, as as David Steele would like to say. Yeah. So, the question that I have, Luke, is whether or not the scoring numbers, whether or not they're sustainable. So, last year, I think he was around 13 or 14 points a game after having, you know, a career year in the 18-19 season. Again, we re-signed Terrence. He gets off to especially a, a slow start. Last season, he mm-hmm. was dealing with a knee issue. Took him a little bit of time to get healthy, but people were like, "Here we go again, another guy that's regressing." We shouldn't re-sign him. Everything like that. Yeah. So, jumping from that to twenty-two points a game, if he does that for the entire season, one, he's the sixth man, and two, sorry, Markel, Terrence Ross would be your most improved player. Like it wouldn't even be close. Yeah. So I wanted to look at Terrence's shooting numbers, uh, the the percentages at, at which you know he's taking from what distance and the percentages of those makes relative to his career numbers. So let me go through this. I'm going to try to go through it slowly because it confused me. I don't want to confuse the listeners here. So his percentage of field goal attempts by distance. 
So how many shots is he taking from where on the floor compared to his career numbers? So his averages for his career, the attempts that he's taking from these different spots on the floor. So his two-point percentage in the restricted area, the amount of shots he's taking in the restricted area, is down compared to the rest of his career. Shots from 3 to 10 feet are up this year compared to the rest of his career. Shots from 10 to 16 feet are up. His shots from 16 to the to the three-point line are up. And then his shots from the three-point line, the percentage of threes that he takes, are down. So this is going exactly in the trend of the rest of the team. All of those mid-range jumpers are up. The most efficient shots, especially for Terrence, in the restricted area are down. And from the three-point line are down. So when we look at the field goal percentage by the distance compared to, we've already confirmed that he's taking more mid-range jumpers. So let's look at the field goal percentage um, by distance compared uh, to his career numbers. They're literally, every single one of those stats I listed, his field goal percentage is up. So he is shooting career-high field goal percentages right now while taking not the best shots. And we've seen this, right? We talked about some of the shots that he's forcing and some of the shots that he's just making with guys in his face or guys are closing out on him. He's taking a hard dribble into the mid-range, pulling up and going in. And some of these are just like, good grief, this guy just cannot miss. Yeah. So based off of those numbers, do you think that Terrence's scoring is sustainable? No, I don't. I, I, don't, I don't think that he's going to be able to stay at the, the 22 mark. Um, we might, but, but here's the other thing. If he's got confidence going into this, again, he looks around coming off that bench unit. I mean, he might not have a choice, but I don't I don't think it'll stay that efficient um, necessarily. Uh, the one thing that I will say is T. Ross is getting to the free throw line, you know, more than he ever has in these first six games. Granted, like we've said a million times, it's just six games. But uh, typically, let's see, his, his most... His at most average times of the free throws free throws a game was last year two point seven attempts a game. Right now he's at four point four. And by the way, he's shooting ninety one percent. Ninety point nine. So and that's also a career would be a career high. Granted, he's usually a good free throw shooter. He's he's typically the last few years in the, you know, eighty seven, eighty six range around there. So if he can continue to get to the free throw line, it's kind of the a lot of this is paralleled with the whole team. Like you said, his his you know, his efficiency where he's shooting from parallels a lot with where the Magic rank and shooting and where from on the field uh, on the court. Same thing with free throws. We talked about it I think last week. Magic were just getting to the free throw line that um I think it was against OKC. Um but was that the night that or was that against Washington where the Washington was a 38 like free throws? 30, yeah, and that was another thing that we free just throws. knew wasn't going to be sustainable. You don't go a team from shooting, you know, 18, 19 free right. throws a night all of a sudden up up to 30. It just doesn't right. it doesn't but, happen. Right, but regardless, T. Ross has been getting the free throw line more. So there's the other parallel. T. Ross and, and Again, kind of his small way. sample size. It's kind of buoyed by the eight field goal attempts that he had, uh, free throw attempts that he had against Washington. Every other game, we're looking at four, 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 one. So, well, which, by the way, 
It's I a mean, small sample size. Shoot... All of this is a small sample size. Even... All this data that we have. Yeah, I'm done giving you guys disclaimers. It's a small sample size. It's early in the season. Um, but regardless, even if he shoots, you know, the the four from the line, I mean, what the, he's still shooting four a game, which by the way, it's still a career high. So right. yes, he's missing more in the restricted area, but he's also getting fouled more. So I and uh, some of those, you know, as we know, T. Ross loves to get fouled from the three point line as well. So. I think that, that T. Ross is going to be a pivotal part in this team if they, regardless, but especially if Orlando can have a respectable record maybe in the season at 500. It would be great. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I, I think T. Ross will, you know, come back down. He he might average a career high in points. It looks that way. Um, but, again, it, it all factors into e- efficiency. I hope he can end at, you know, 17, 18 a game, which is where Evan usually is. So, who knows? Maybe he and Evan are going to do a swap, and Evan's going to average you know fourteen a game this year. So, I don't know. I don't know. I but but Terrence Ross, like we've said multiple times, one of the most exciting players, if not the most exciting player on this team. When he gets hot, it's a lot of fun. When he dunks from the baseline, it's a lot of fun. So there, there's a lot of stuff about about T. Ross to get excited about for this year, and something that could keep things afloat with alongside Vucevic and Fournier, while these you know younger guys like Markel and Cole kind of figure it out. I agree with you. I don't think the shooting is sustainable. I still think he's off to a great start. He's going to have a great year. I just think this entire Magic team needs to, you know, take a look in the mirror and be like the shots that we're taking right now and the offense that we're that we're putting on the floor right now, the way that we're playing is not going to get it done and they they need to to get back to the 18-19 Magic, especially, you know, that you know, 22 and nine finish where they're moving the ball. Obviously, Vooch was playing out of his mind. We are knocking down open three pointers. We got to get back to that somehow. Got to figure it out, or things could go bad really, really quickly. I mean, we're we're going to talk about it in a moment. This next slew of games that we're looking at on the roster, Sheesh. but it's it's definitely it, it, I cannot stress how important it is for this season. And this is the thing, Luke. I sound crazy because what were you we saying three weeks ago about this season? It was a wash. And here we are, six weeks in, or six games in, and I'm freaking out about the quality of shots that we're taking when we're freaking four and two. Yeah. So, I I, sh- I really shouldn't be complaining. We're we're freaking four and two. So, let's get into the next week of games, Luke. So, uh, Monday tomorrow night we have Cleveland at home, which is the start of like a home and home series against Cleveland. We face them again at home on Wednesday. Uh, then Friday we're at Houston. And Saturday we're at Dallas. So, thoughts on this week? How how do you see it going? I mean, well, first of all, we were talking about Vooch and making his all-star appearance and, you know, things like that. Someone who didn't like his all-star appearance last time was a man by the name of Andre Drummond, who Orlando will be facing uh, this week. I don't know if any of you guys recall, but Drummond had some tweet to the effect of Vucevic when he got selected over him. Um, we saw a lot of the, the Soldier Boy memes. Drake! <laughs> right, so... Um, so get to play them. It'll be fun to see, um, you know, them play against each other, Vooch and, and, uh, Drummond. The Cavs are going to still be without Kevin Love, which is bodes well for Orlando. And, but what doesn't bode well for Orlando is sex land. Sex. I knew, I knew it was coming. Oh boy. I can't believe I just <laughs> said that. Kids, if you're listening, close your ears. I shouldn't have even brought attention to that. Yes. We're talking about Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Yes. They're playing out of their mind. They are. They are. I think 
Sexton's at like what twenty, twenty two, twenty three, something a game, and then I would just like to say Garland. I don't remember what round it was, but I drafted Colin Sexton, and I knew he was going to be putting up numbers like this this year. I didn't know that it would be in mostly winning efforts so far, but I, I'm proud to say that I saw the the numbers coming from Colin Sexton. Yeah, well, I mean, he's averaging twenty six a game, fifty five percent from three on three point three attempts. So it's some Julius Randle type stuff from three um, attempts wise and percentages. And then Darius Garland, I think he's at like 17 or something like that. Um, so a great duo. I mean, you thought that Orlando had some trouble uh, staying in front of guards before, but uh, staying in front of Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, we're going to have a lot of fun with that this week. Back to back. You get two cracks at it, guys. So, so you know, cheer up. Well, I mean, we took both games against Washington. I don't think we're going to take both games against Cleveland. However, something that has become a, a trend with this Magic team over the last few years is playing up to your competition, but also playing down to your competition. So like Oklahoma City, for instance, maybe not this past game. You know, they had George Hill and they had, you know, they had um, Al Horford back in the lineup. But the first game, like that game shouldn't have been close on paper, right? But Isaiah Roby goes crazy. And, you know, that game just shouldn't have been close. No. So same thing with the Cavs. I mean, the Cavs so far have been proven to be better than a lot of people thought coming into the year, mainly due to sex land, right? However, we're going to play down to Cleveland. Those are going to be close games, I believe, at least I hope. I hope we don't get blown out again. But then you're on the road against Houston, and you're on the road against Dallas. So the Magic... Just the last couple of years historically have not been a team that get blown out multiple games in a row. So one of those games, if not both of those games, those road games are going to be close games. Like the Magic will get up for one of those two games. Now, it's a back-to-back. So you don't know, are they going to try to rest guys the first game? Are they going to try to rest guys the second game? Not really sure how all of that is going to work out. I think this week we go 2-2. and And it comes one of two ways, quite obviously, you either sweep the Cavs and then you you lose both games on the road or you split it with the Cavs and then you split one of those road games. Yeah, um yeah, I I think it I think it's going to be a, probably a split against Cleveland. Um I think you hope that the Rockets won't have James Harden because um I think pretty close after that, yeah. So Orlando What's plays going on with Harden now. Like he was fine, and now he's like not cleared to play. I haven't even been p- paying that close attention to the, I, the I have, situation. I have no idea, but Houston has got a lot of good teams around Orlando when they play. Um, they've got Mavs, the fourth, Pacers, the sixth, the Magic, the eighth, Lakers, the tenth, and Lakers, the twelfth. It wouldn't surprise me if Orlando gets a little lucky and Harden doesn't play. Um, against Orlando because they've got some pretty good teams sandwiched around Orlando. Um, I could see Harden resting. That's something that you know a lot of NBA players teams are doing with superstars. They're resting a lot of their guys, you know, in those you know you know times where they don't really have a break. And, uh, and Cliff had said like I'm going to continue to play nine, ten guys because we don't have a superstar. So um, so that's kind of Orlando's approach. So you won't see many guys resting. If ever. Um, and then, you know, with with bigger teams, you kind of hope that one of their guys goes away because I do not want to play James Harden and John Wall. Um, 
So we'll see. John Wall probably will be enough for us that night. Well, with the Magic right now, and, and given their injuries now, we're looking at Evan. Terrence is still dealing with the hamstring thing, but he, he seems to be feeling okay, well enough to play. Aaron Gordon, after the game last night, kind of mentioned, he's like, I'm I'm kind of ready to be off of this minute restriction thing. We haven't really right. heard that officially from the team, but he kind of hinted at that. So maybe we'll see his minutes pick up. But then you're missing Chuma. You're still missing James Ennis. Yep. Mo Bamba, still missing Aminu. I mean, if we're going to rest guys, who who's going to play? We, you might as well just forfeit. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So I am happy to announce that James Harden's absence uh, from the, the game the other night against the Kings was not um, gentleman establishment related. Um, he, ha- he had a, a sprained right ankle. So I guess Steven Silas heard just a few hours before tip-off that Harden's ankle was bothering him enough that he might miss the game. Yeah. So it must not be that big of a deal. Houston still beat the Kings. So, I don't know. We're probably going to see Harden Friday night, but I- I'm I'm really not sure. And then I'm not really all that excited to see us play Dallas other than be able to see Wessel Wundu, our guy. Right. Um, it- it'll be nice to-, to see him and some of the-, the Magic guys, you know, link back up and, and everything like that. But, Luke, this is the last thing that, I- that we wanted to talk about here. So, the Houston game on Friday in Houston, that is the start of an extremely rough it is a nine-day, six-game stretch. It starts at Houston, then at Dallas. That's a back-to-back. Then they have the day off, and then they're home for Milwaukee. They have another day off. Then they're at Boston, another day off, and then at Boston, at Brooklyn on a back-to-back. So people were circling this stretch when the Magic started 4-0. and They're like, okay, they might beat the, the Thunder or, or the, the Sixers. Maybe they start 6-0 and if they do that. Then you look at the Cavs. Maybe they can start eight and zero, but then quickly that six game stretch. I mean, you, you got you, you have got to win both games against Cleveland. You have to. It's yeah, a, you could be looking at eight straight losses if you yeah. if you lose both of those games. Yeah, I mean, you, I hate to put like a, a must win on on Orlando's schedule this this early, but man, if you take what you're looking at realistically, maybe. Maybe maybe six L's in that eight game stretch. Hopefully not more than that. But you you have to beat the team. Like I said, I don't think Cleveland. I don't think this is sustainable for Cleveland. I think that that they uh, they got beat by the Knicks. All right, that's all I'm gonna say. They got beat by the Knicks. They're beatable. They're beatable. Uh, they don't have Kevin Love right now. You have to beat them. You have to beat them. I don't think this is sustainable. They're also four and two. They're. Uh, I'm interested to see. What happens in those games, but you have to beat them because that that road ahead, man, is gonna hurt bad if you don't win both. And don't even get me started on if Orlando loses both games to Cleveland. It definitely will not be great. It will not be ideal. I think it's gonna be important to get Evan back. He's been dealing with some back spasms. He w- did not feel you know up to to practicing today, from from what I've heard and what I've seen on Twitter. So we've got a game tomorrow. I'd be surprised if we see Evan in the lineup. Maybe he toughs it out. Back spasms are no joke. Coming from somebody that has a bad back, the back starts to act up, man. Sometimes I, I don't feel right for weeks. So not saying that's the case with Evan. I'm sure my back is in much worse shape than his. He's got a lot of people paying him a lot of money to, to play these games, so I'm sure they're making sure he's got the best care around the clock. But I'm right there with you. I, Prior to this conversation, the last few minutes, 
I didn't think that those were like must-win games against Cleveland. I was like, okay, maybe we split them. No, you need to win both of those games because yeah. this uh, that six-game stretch after that second Cavs game is looking pretty rough. We could we could be looking at a at a team, you know, two weeks from now that's you know either five hundred or or worse than that. So I'm sure the the team knows that. I'm sure they'll come out ready to play tomorrow, especially after two straight wins or two straight losses. Excuse me. I don't know. I think we've had a, a couple of you know three four game win streaks under Clifford. I don't I don't think it's too many though. So um, hopefully the guys will will bounce back. But Luke, I don't have anything else for this week. What about you? We're just uh just almost hour and ten minutes here. Yeah. No, I'm Chunky I'm good. I just want to know how your uh, your Eagles are doing. Eagles are starting the second half right now, down fourteen to seventeen. So it's definitely closer than I thought it was going to be, um, like midway through that first quarter when they were down ten to zero. Uh, but yeah, ah, it, it's going to be rough. This is the, what I said at the beginning of the season with the Giants. I expected them to win five or six games. They won six games. They went six and ten. Um, I'm happy with that. I said if they win seven, I would be ecstatic. However, there's no way that I could have predicted that six games potentially would be enough to get us into the playoffs. Playoffs were the last thing on my mind. I was like, next year is the year that we need to be competitive enough to be in the playoff conversation. So, But now that we're here, I want to get in. And if we're in, you might as well go on and win the freaking Super Bowl. So <laughs> that's not going to happen. But, I mean, Giants teams have done stranger things in the past. But it, it would be cool, you know, especially for Daniel Jones and some of our younger guys to get some playoff experience. But second half just started Luke and, and we'll see what happens hopefully right, uh Dan Mullen uh stays in no. uh in Gainesville that'd be yeah. pretty rough that would be rough we yeah. won't talk about that too much mm-hmm. all right well thank you guys so much for listening to the six man show as always for Luke this has been Jonathan and we will catch you guys next time see ya thanks for listening to the six man show be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!